listen to free part music class. Free music podcast. What is it meant to free music podcast? Stay tuned. This is Savannah, and you're listening to the Freo Music Podcast. I think I could be Welcome back to another episode of the Frio Music Podcast. The featured artist in this episode is Savana. Savana is a young singer-songwriter based out of Jamaica. She's got some soulful melodies and has an amazing vocal range. She's got an array of different styles. She's got a self-titled EP. She's appeared on Protégé's album. She's collaborated with Jesse Royal. Not only that, she's working on more music, more tracks. Savana in this interview shares how she got to where she is today, some of the struggles and difficulties that she had to overcome. Really, her story is inspiring and one that proves if you get knocked down on your first try, get back up, you can do it. Hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Stay tuned and enjoy. Well, my name is Savannah and I'm based out of Kingston, Jamaica, even though I was born in Westmoreland, Jamaica, which is the other end of the island. And when did you move to Kingston? I, I believe we were talking last, and you mentioned uh, at age 16 you moved to Kingston. But what brought you to Kingston? Yep. Music brought me to Kingston because I'd entered a national competition with two other girls in a group called SLR, which really was our initials. Um, and I came to Kingston so that I could participate in the competition. They had... They had us staying in a hotel here, and I just decided that at the end of the competition, when we placed the third, that I just wouldn't go back home. Wow. That's a that's just, a bold just, move at such a young age. Yeah. No, I mean, it just really worked out because I'd been telling my mother that I was going to move out because things weren't the greatest at home. And um, it just worked out for me that <laughs> I, I had this competition at 16, and I had the opportunity to just not go back. That's I mean, amazing. I still do visit now, but like I just never moved back to, to Westmoreland. Yeah. And were you, was your family supportive of your decision to, to stay and pursue music? I mean, I can't recall there being any real resistance. I think um, maybe my mother secretly was just like, <laughs> she had enough. I don't know. Um I can't recall any real resistance, but I also don't remember any real support either. So, but like my brother was supportive, my sister was supportive. Um, yeah, my and, siblings were supportive. And so, what did you do? Obviously, you were in a hotel room. You just finished that competition. How did you get your foot in to Kingston? Like, how did you figure out your place to be? Okay, cool. Um, so it's a long story. I, we actually ended up staying with the aunt, one of the aunts for one of the girls in the group that I was a part of until that, that didn't work out anymore because, you know, domestic issues with them. Um, and then we ended up staying with like a church member at the time because the aunt had us going to church, um, which was, you know, 
unfamiliar to me because I didn't grow up, grow up going to church. Anyway, point is, we ended up going staying with a church member who ended up being unsafe to stay with, and then we ended up staying with one of the group members' uncle for a time. And then um, I ended up moving in with a roommate, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and she became like a big sister to me slash manager. And we um, we we lived for like maybe two years together until I ended up moving up by myself. Um, and all this time, though, I'd been I'd had jobs, you know, so I was I was just making it work from being like a salesperson in the supermarket, just pushing carts around to sell cereal to um, eventually becoming uh, what's it called? Like an executive an account executive at like a, what's it called? A, a PR company, okay. you know? So I, so I finished school and I was just, I was just doing jobs because I was just, I just decided that I didn't want to go back. Um, so I made it work. And was that PR job, was that in the music industry? No, it wasn't in the music industry at all. It was just more marketing. So, so for example, imagine what's a brand that you guys have? Uh, I don't know, like Mercedes, right? Okay. Or something. I don't know. Um, they'd come to the PR company advertising agency and just be like, Hey, we'd love to have 10 ads online this month. And we want to see this kind of growth. And we want people to know about this new car that we're having that I'd be responsible for getting all of that done. Great. And did you find it helpful uh, as far as just creating your own brand? Cause you, you've got a very solid brand with great imagery and, you know, concise name easy to yeah. spell did that did any of that marketing stuff carry over to your music world i guess it did i guess it did but i'm a, um as far as my name is concerned it was really the roommate that i had which really became like a sister friend um her name is Shanae. she helped me come up with the with the name because i'm actually from savannah Mar, west Milan, jamaica so we just thought that'd be a good idea to you know, base my name on where I'm from, so I'd never forget where I'm from. That kind of corny um, perspective. And, yeah, we decided to spell it a little bit differently so that, um, you know, it'd be easy. So that's how Savannah, Savannah came about. Well, that's great. But, yeah, I, I definitely think it did help me um, to just know how to maneuver, um, like, online, like, social media, you know? Because yep. that's where that's where it was. That's where I worked. Great. So let's rewind before you came to Kingston. Tell me about your first musical memory. First musical memory, very very first musical memory was when I remember being around by my father's house. Um, my father and mother didn't live together because they separated shortly after I was born. Um, and I remember being at my father's house and hearing a gospel song, uh, I believe it was, carry your candle, run through the darkness, seek out the hopeless, confused and torn, or something like that. And I remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I just remember feeling very um, comforted by the song. Um, not that I understood the words really, I just, I mean... I don't know. I just remembered the melody and just how beautiful she sounded. And I just remember feeling very, very comforted. So, yeah, I think that's my first musical memory. Great. 
And tell me about your first musical performance. Was it before, did you perform or do anything at school before that competition that you entered? I mean, I was never a part of a choir or anything, but there was a music competition that they were hosting. I think I was around 14 at the time. And I'd never been, I'd never gotten any official, you know, vocal training or anything like that. Um, but I saw that they were having a competition and I thought, you know, maybe I should enter this. And so I entered and I, and, <laughs> and I got booed off the stage. Oh, so that was, that was cool. That was, it was great. Good for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me about that. Why was it good for you? Uh, no, I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Um, but actually, but actually though, if we're going to be deep about it, it was good for me because I, um, I got over my stage fright, you know? Yeah. Like I was no longer afraid of going up in front of people or not as afraid because the worst had happened. So I just thought, uh, you know, I was off the stage in front of the whole school. That's, that's the worst. It was kind of like, I mean, I cried about it, but it was very much like, well, I mean, that's the worst that I could imagine that could happen. So if I should try again, um, yeah, nothing could be worse than that. Yeah. And how did yeah. you pick yourself back up or did you have some support from friends or family or how did you get back on stage the second time? I just think I, I'm quite determined, I would say. Um, so generally, if something doesn't work out and I really, really want it to work out, I'll try as many times as I can before I give up, you know? So I just hadn't given up, even though it sucked. I don't think it was traumatic enough for me to think I'm not, I'm done with this. I'm done with singing. I don't want to sing, you know? So I think internal motivation. Um, yes, I did get like my friends saw that I was booed off stage and they, you know, consoled me, but they weren't like, Oh, you should try again. It was just more like, you know, we're so sorry this happened to you. So I think it was more internal motivation, which is, how I'm motivated now as well. Um, but more so that because now I know that music is part of my purpose, you know? Absolutely. So yeah. tell me about that internal motivation and confidence and drive that you have. What do you use to stoke that or, or to develop that skill Yeah. or tenacity? Wow. Um, hmm. I mean, right now it's definitely, it's definitely linked very tightly, like closely. What's the word? I don't know. It's, 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 it's definitely intertwined with my faith at this point. But that, but at that time, I just thought, or I felt like music um, was like a safe space, you know. And I guess these are all. Like, safe space is a buzzword now, but I remember feeling as though music was healing for me, you know? And I also remember I also remember feeling like music was the only thing that really fit. Like, when I was doing that, it really, really made sense, you know? And then it developed from there to, oh, um, this is... This is, it's one of my gifts. Um, and I think it's one of my purposes. It's like one of my main 
things that are main reasons why I'm here, you know, like why I'm alive, like one of my main contributions. Um, and then so that I became kind of stuck on that. And then, you know, getting kind of going to the more spiritual side of things you now, me developing a relationship with, you know, God and Jesus, it became clear just more more so than ever because i i did have an idea that it was my purpose before but it became super clear then that it's you know it's one of my it's one of the reasons that i was here i put here you know yeah well i think that is amazing i appreciate you sharing that story let's go to your voice so you you performed on stage you got booed off stage and then you got back up and you got back on stage that's amazing so oh yeah was there and even in the competition that we were a part of that national competition we were about 16 um we got we got a lot of ridicule and like criticism so it was brutal because it all of jamaica could see us you know what i mean yeah was it on tv it was on TV, yeah, and we'd go up, we'd go up there before uh, before the whole country every Sunday night, and sing, and then people would have things to say because they'd see us in the street. We'd have to come, we'd have to campaign in the street to get votes, right? So they'd see us in the street, and they'd have, oh, no, can't sing, and no, I sound good, um, you know, you can't sing, you don't sound good, um, you're too young to be in the competition, you shouldn't have chosen that song. Oh, I don't like you. You know, so there's a lot of, I faced a lot of that. I call those haters. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely way stronger because of it, though. I'm not easily faced by anything that people say. How did you develop your voice? Because you've, I would, I haven't heard those early recordings or that uh, TV show, but I imagine that your voice has evolved over the years. Was there anybody that helped you develop your voice? Or what steps did you take to pursue? Get better. Yeah, your your instrument or your voice. Right. Um, thank thank you for asking. Um, I just kept singing. Um, that was a huge part of it. I'd just be, you know, because it's it's kind of built in for me. You know how singers are always singing all the time. It's not something that we can necessarily help, or it's not because we want to show off. It's just it's just something that feels. It feels really good to sing, you know, and then also it, it it's it's built in. It's a part of you, so you'll always want to be singing. And then, I mean, I me just singing throughout the competition and 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 um, learning how to harmonize because that's something I I learned on the TV show as well, how to harmonize because of my um, group members, and then us trying to be a group after that for maybe like a year before. You know, they had decided that they wanted to go back to school and, and you know, kind of move back home and so on. I, mean, I didn't want to move back home, but we had been trying to make it work for some time. And we'd, we'd always been singing, practicing our sets because we had, you know, one or two shows across Jamaica. Actually, quite a bit of shows across Jamaica that we'd go and sing at. And um, so for for, I think, like a year, there was just practicing singing harmonizing like getting the or sets done you know like getting the set list um perfected and then after that now when we had decided that you know we're we're all going our separate ways 
I just kept singing and I was writing um, my own music and I, you know, and then I'm, and I, and I kind of linked up with an engineer that was in the area at the time who had access to a studio. And I just go up there and like become familiar with how recording, with what recording felt like. And I just have, I'd just be covering different songs in the booth and I'd just be like around the studio and like around recording equipment and just listening to myself, figuring out what sounded good, figuring out what I did that changed like the tone of, you know, like tone of a note or the delivery of a note. Um, so that really helped as well. And I, and I did that for some time. And, um, I remember at one point as well, going onto YouTube and I was following, I don't remember his name. Oh yes. Brett. That's his name. Brett. I was following, I was doing like tutorials, like vocal exercise exercises that he would give me on, on YouTube. I'd just be, you know, randomly. Uh, randomly I discovered him because I wanted to be even better. So I, I had him be my coach for a little bit. He didn't know though. And um, most recently, I think maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, I actually met with a vocal coach in Jamaica. Her name is Ruth Royce. And then I, you know, got better at my technique and just not necessarily just, just to kind of improve the delivery of, the notes, you know, because there's just ways that you can optimize, there's ways that you can lessen the pressure on your vocal cords, just ways that you can just sing better and it'd be better for your body, easier for you to like expel notes. So that's that's the journey, I believe. What year did you move to Kingston? I think it was 2009. I'm very curious, and I think maybe you've kind of already answered it in the sense of uh, being around the studio and hanging around and being exposed to music being recorded. But yeah. how were you able to get on to Proto's album before you had even released your own Savannah EP? Oh, um, long story short, that long, long story short, um, that friend I was telling you about that I lived with for like a couple of years, her name is Shanae Daily, big up yourself wherever you are. Um, yeah, we got super close and she saw my interest in music because I never gave it up even while I was working. And actually, while I was working, I got very depressed about my just direction in life because I didn't feel fulfilled, and it, it ended up landing. It ended up landing back on music, and she was there to witness all of that, right? Because we lived together, and um, so she decided because she saw, you know, the potential or saw that I could sing. She decided that, you know, I'm going to help you. So we started kind of just. She started taking me around to different jam sessions like Jamnesia, um, different like jazz bars at the time. We don't have that anymore. Um, and just jams, like open live jams. That It was a thing back then, I think 2012. I don't know about when, but just around that time before they all closed down. Um, so I was doing that a lot. And then the we started, you know, networking with industry people. And then we saw that Protégé had the show because we had gone to one of his shows and I thought you know what maybe I could do this and she thought yeah I think you could do it as well so the following year he was going to have it again this is live from Kingston one of the very earliest um stagings I don't know if that's grammatically correct whatever um one of the very early stagings of live from Kingston I believe this one was his was the one that was being held at live um Pegasus Right. Um, and so I saw that that was happening. And so I had some covers on SoundCloud and 
um, what Shanae did, friend slash roommate slash sister <laughs> slash manager at the time. Um, she was helping me out. She sent my covers to Protege's team, to his assistant. And then his assistant sent, um, what's it called, the recording to Protege. And Protege listened to it listen to it and from his perspective he was just like you know they my assistant sent it to me and I started listening to it and it wasn't even 30 seconds in before I decided that yeah she can be on the show and then after that I think shortly after that he followed me on Twitter and um you know DM'd me and was just like yo I think you're brilliant like you know let's let's meet up let's talk like you know I think your your sound is amazing incredible or and, you know, at the time, like, he was really bubbling, um, I think, with Rasta Love. Or was it? Who knows? One of those songs, right? But he was doing really well. And so I was excited. So I was just like, wow, Protege is messaging me. I should probably go meet him. So I went to meet with him with um, my friend, Shanae. And, yeah, I just, I liked, I appreciated how, like, transparent he was and, how he seemed, it seemed to be like a collaborative um, opportunity. You know what I mean? It wasn't that, he definitely made it clear that he wasn't interested in telling me what to do, how to sound, what to look like. Um, and I, I respected that just because I, I, have a, I have a clear sense of direction. Well, at the time I had a clear sense of direction. And even, even now, I mean, it shifted a little bit, but um, I... I I've always had opinions about what I wanted to do and in terms of just visuals and songs and so on. So um, I appreciated that. And he just, he seemed like a really decent person, human being. So I went ahead and signed on for his company to manage me. And that's and, indignation, right? Yeah. So yeah. So that's, that's how they became my managers. And yeah. And so I performed on the show um, that year. Um, yeah, so that's all that happened. And then he, you know, he was working on his, his album and, um, he was just like, I have this song and I think that you'd work really well on the hook, which was sudden flight with Jesse Royal. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm done. Um, so that's how that song happened. And then for love gone cold, I believe they were trying to get like another singer, like an overseas singer to be a, be on it. And then it was just like, you know what? I think that you do a really good job on it. And so I don't think he ended up pursuing the other singer. And um, yeah, I ended up singing the, the chorus on that and then like writing the bridge. So that was really cool. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing uh, kickstart to your recorded career. And yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so how was it uh, being in the studio with with other artists? I I know it would wasn't your first time in the studio, but were were there any nerves or were you overwhelmed by all the uh, recording consoles and uh, mixers and stuff? No, I, I wasn't overwhelmed. I was excited, but I wasn't overwhelmed. I I typically am good at um, keeping my cool, you know, even when I'm freaking out on the inside. So. Yeah, I was just, I was just like, wow, this is happening, and this is, this is what I've been wanting to do, and this is, this is amazing. So, let's, let's do it. You know, I was just more concerned with getting the recording done properly and just being proud of the product. You know, 
um, more so than I was focused on, oh my God, Brody Day is right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. You, you said it beautifully, but you said keeping your cool, even though you're freaking out on the inside. So, you know, how do you condition your mind or is there any uh, mantras or sayings or meditation? Do you do any particular techniques that help you quiet your mind? Um, I mean, well, that's a huge question, right? Because I think that just my coping with stress or excitement or, you know, just feelings and emotions, it started way, way, like way back, way back. I think, I think me starting to me being able to process my feelings in any kind of a healthy way started when I was journaling because I used to journal um, growing up. I don't know how I ended up picking up that habit because it wasn't, my mother wasn't super, super emotionally intelligent at all. Um, and then she was the only parent. So I don't know where I picked it up from, but I picked it up. And I think me writing down my feelings about things, just about very dark things as well, things that were affecting me in my life, right? Just traumatic situations. I'd write it down and then I'll be, and then I, you know, when I had the courage to look over what I wrote, I was able to see what I was feeling and just like face them, you know? Um, so that, that became a thing. Me processing my feelings became a thing because of that. I didn't know that that's what I was doing um, at the time. But I think that has helped me over the years to be able to recognize that I'm super excited about something, but still be focused on getting the job done. You feel me? Because I understand why I'm excited because I've gone through the process of seeing my feelings on paper then and like worked through them. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, I think so, so yeah, it def- definitely started yeah, it's like a, a child, like I think secondary school. Um wow. Yeah, I was always writing cuz I really loved to write as well. I'd always liked I'd always loved words, you know? Like I had a phase where I was really obsessed with the dictionary and just just learning new words and I really loved English literature and just like writing. I really was into it for some reason like and even now I, I I do think that writing is one of my gifts as well but um yeah me practicing writing all my feelings for whatever whatever inspired it I don't remember um I don't know yeah that's yeah. that's great and while you were talking it kind of uh an analogy popped up in my mind when you're talking about writing your feelings and then kind of confronting them later when you are uh, reading it. And it almost right. it almost draws a parallel to singing behind a microphone and recording it and then going back and listening to yourself and then realizing, mm-hmm. oh, I was a little sharp or, or whatever you hear. Yeah. 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 So I think it's so important to be self-reflective and in the studio, mm-hmm. having a mic and just doing this podcast, for instance, myself, listening back to myself, yeah. I hear all kinds of stupid things I say and go back to it. So it's, uh, right. you never know until you listen back or till you yeah. read what you wrote. Read what you read. Yeah. It makes it really real, you know? Yep. So you write your own lyrics, correct? Yes. 
Great. And when was the first time that you uh, wrote a song, at least in your mind? Because I know a lot of those writings, you know, oh, there's a there's a verse, or I mean, or there's a line, there's a good rhyme yeah. there. But when did you sit down and just craft a song in in writing? I think I was twelve. I I don't remember how old I was. I definitely. I had just started high school though, because I started off writing my feelings and then I fell in love with poetry. So I started writing poetry and then I started writing songs. I don't know how it happened, but that's how it developed. Um, so I think I remember early high school, I wrote a song. Great. And it was about, I think it was about poverty. <laughs> Um, something about, oh, ah, oh, man, I forgot. Wow. It was, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Hold on. It's okay. It oh. might come to you in a couple minutes. Yeah. But it was about the idea of the song was, oh, um, they don't care who they're, who they're killing. Um, just basically, basically like the state of our country. And people not really having compassion and just not really caring about who they kill, you know? Hmm. And then I remember I wrote a song about miracles as well. <laughs> that I remember, because it was just like, it, the song went, Miracles happen every day. A baby born to die, but lives anyway. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> wow. That's great. Well, thanks yeah, for bringing me back to the unrecorded history. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I was writing early preteen. I was writing um, songs. Nice. And when, yeah. we, when we last spoke or met in Jamaica, you were, you were working on the guitar. Are you still playing the guitar? I am not. I didn't have the discipline to continue to be honest with you and also i don't think i was as in love with the guitar as i thought um so no i'm revisiting the piano and i want to start lessons really really soon actually i made the, i made the connection with one of chronix's with chronix's um pianist so i'm gonna link up with him when i can and when he's available and just kind of just start on like learning chords and like really learning the notes because I, that was my first love. Like that was my first instrument that I thought, you know what? I should probably learn how to play this. I really love how just, you know, just beautiful, like the piano sounds and, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to learn the, the piano and I've reached out to some people. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. So great. Yeah. Well, that sounds like you'll have an excellent teacher and, I wish you well with that. I'm excited to hear what comes out of it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, you know, so yeah, I'm gonna learn the piano. I still do know how to play a few songs on the guitar, but I just I've given it up. You know. Yeah. Well, really there's only so many up. instruments you could play simultaneously, anyway. So. This is true. You can't yeah. play them all all the time. So. No. So you, um, a couple years ago, you were on a big tour with Proto, and you, you guys toured Europe, and I believe yeah. last year you played in the U.S. for the first time. How, do, yes. how was it playing out of the country? It was dope. 
Yeah. Was it, were, um, was everybody supportive? I was a lot of love. It, it was in Miami and like people were singing the songs. Like I didn't, Great. I didn't know that people in the U.S. were here, <laughs> were hearing me and cared to cared about my music. So it was really, it was nice. It was really, it made me really emotional to be in Miami, which in my mind, you have to, you have to think about how I'm seeing it, right? Miami for me, just being like from Jamaica, um, super, super small tone. Jamaica is super small and then even like a smaller tone than Jamaica. Um, Miami just seems like this huge, glamorous uh, city of dreams that it's, it's, you know, spits you out. I guess maybe I draw power. I, I think Miami is like New York. I've never been to New York. But in my mind, I'm just thinking it's a huge city. People don't really care. I think people are a little bit more <laughs> critical. I don't know. So when I was playing at Wynwood and they were singing the songs, I was like, wow, people care about my music here. That's that's really cool. That must mean I don't suck, you know? That must mean I'm doing something right. You're international. Yeah, I did not I didn't realize. I didn't realize that I because it's 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 a different thing to you know, we booked on one and two festivals in Europe. Um, and really, like, you'll only have, like, a handful of people singing the song to going to the U.S., which you guys are... It's a huge market for music. Stones get lost. Artists get lost. And for me to have any kind of a response there, I thought that that was significant, you know? What are you planning this year? Uh, do you have any tracks that you're working on? Are you recording? Are you oh, yeah. planning on any tours coming up? Absolutely. So I have four songs right now. Two on a juggling. A juggling is a rhythm where several artists have a song on there. Um, so I'm working on two jugglings right now. And I have a single, which will be Dance Hall. And I'm excited to release that. Um, and then I have another song on another rhythm. Uh, which will be like a standalone. So I'll have four releases before the end of the year. Hopefully most of them before summer. I don't know. Or up till summer, you know? Yeah. And then I'm playing Boomtown. I'm playing Rotterdam. These are European. Boomtown is UK. And I have a few other UK shows. And then I have Rotterdam, which is in Europe. And um, yeah, more shows are still being added. And then I have just local things that I'm doing. I played two festivals here in Jamaica already. So it's not super busy, but I am predicting that with the release of these songs, that it'll get more packed. Like the schedule will, will fill up, you know? Absolutely. So that's what I'm doing. Well, that's great. And I'm, I'm excited to hear those tracks. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, as an artist, how you find balance between creating new songs, being inspired, touring, obviously health is important. So mm -hmm. how do you manage all these kind of conflicting demands? I, huh, I have to be having a really difficult week to see um, taking care of myself as a, as a demand, you know? It kind of is just like a part of me. It's a part of my winding down time or my 
time with myself, you know? So, you know, just doing a face mask, waking up in the mornings, making a smoothie, that, like, I, I, I actually enjoy it. It's not like, I never think, oh, like, I have to go make a smoothie, you know? You know? Yeah, you're excited too. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm like, woo, I, I get to make a smoothie and I get to use all my favorite veg, um, vegetables and fruits and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to feel so good, you know? I'm going to have the ball movement I want. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, yeah, uh, it's not a chore. Taking care of myself, I don't see it as a chore or a demand. It's, it's something I enjoy. If I do feel, feel super, super stressed and it feels difficult to get up and do something for myself, I'll just... I'll just kind of sit in that, not wallow or anything, but I'll just kind of allow that feeling to be present and kind of just examine it and just figure out why I don't feel motivated or why I feel unsettled. And once I'm able to work through that, you know, I maybe take a nap for an hour or something and then I'll just start by tackling one thing at a time. Um, So I never, I don't tend to, look at a whole list of things to do as like to, to be done right now. It's, I break things apart and I'm just like, all right, well, I could do this today. So if I'm not feeling particularly motivated one day, I'll just at least try to do one thing. Um, just so I don't feel like I've wasted the day. Um, but yeah, and I don't know. It just, when I, and even just taking care of myself, like eating, um, just cooking my meals and just buying organic and so on. It's, it makes me feel good that I'm doing all this for myself, you know? Absolutely. It, it makes me feel like I'm doing good things for my body. And I just feel like once I'm taking care of my body, then, you know, my mind will be all right. And then I also, you know, I pray, like I, I go into the word, um, I sit still and just like, you know, not say anything for, um, for, for a time. Cause I think that that's important. Just quiet time. Just, I like to imagine myself in, in, um, in what's the word, my God, in, in relation to like God and his bigness you know his his grandness his his glory and just like remembering how much god cares about me specifically and like my life and also my position in the kingdom you know what i mean so it gets it gets it's different it's definitely different um you know different levels you have the physical level you have emotional level where songwriting really helps me with that and singing really helps me with that if I get to perform on it I remember actually recently I had a festival to perform at the rum festival Jamaica and my friend called me not like about an hour before I needed to go perform and she told me that her mother that she's one of my best she is one of my best friends she told me that her mother passed and it was very difficult to hear um and I remember just feeling really crushed about it. But then, and then I remember also not giving off the best energy to the people who came to pick me up to go to the show. 
And for a little bit, like, I didn't have control, like, as much control as I would have liked for a, a little little while. But when I, you know, went on stage and I started my set, I was able to kind of just expel all of that energy, all of the sad energy, you know? Not that the set was sad, it, not that the whole set became colored by me feeling sad, but me just kind of just, I don't know, just committing to being in that time and being present and just ch channeling how my, my feelings, it, like I felt better, you know, when I finished performing. So, I mean, singing for me is therapeutic. Just sharing with people is therapeutic. Just talking, writing, um, yeah, taking care of myself to, to a point. And also the, the time that I spend with God, you know, and Holy Spirit. So it's a, it's a whole thing. Great. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And just out of curiosity, is there... Do you have a morning routine? I know you mentioned your smoothie and yeah. and being quiet and <laughs> meditating or praying or, or being in silence. Is, yeah. is there a routine that you follow or how do you best set yourself up for a creative day? For the day. Right. Good question. So ideally, um, I've been kind of off of my routine just because I've, I've been really busy with just between family and like work recently. Work meaning music. Um, but ideally, like if I'm doing really, really well, I wake up, I make a smoothie, I have a smoothie, I go into the word cause I'm reading, cause I'd never actually read the Bible before. And so I'm starting out to read it just from the very beginning. I'm doing the King James version and learning a lot, lots of revelations. But anyway, um, so I'll do that and then maybe read a chapter or two and then I'll write down what, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of revealed to me and then I'll I'll pray before I read and then I'll do that and then I'll pray again and usually I'll just open the prayer and just kind of just listen to just you know anything that God has to say and then after that and that would have that would be the quiet meditative time it's just not me re not it'd be just me imagining myself at like God's feet and just you know being open, like opening up my spirit and my heart to like hearing, um, listening, reverence. And then, you know, I would, once I get out of that, I would get ready to go do my workout. Sometimes I bathe, sometimes I don't before the workout and I'll do that. And then from there, I would just, you know, I change out of my workout. Like I do the workout and I love it. Big up to my trainer, Mark. And, um, and what do you do that, when no, you work I out? Would, Are you running or lifting weights or what do you do? I lift weights. Um, I, I, I box, I, you know, do full body exercises. Just, just, it depends on how he feels to be honest with you. Okay. Cause he just has me, but it definitely involves weight, weight lifting and boxing. And I do run to warm up, but running isn't typically like, you know, really in the full workout routine. It's just like, oh, take a lap around the field to warm up, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, and we'll have, like, leg days, you know, core days, arm day, that kind of a thing. Great. And I'm very much in love with all of it. 
So I'd, I'd do that, finish that, get clean, and then usually if I have anything to do, if I have errands to do on the road, I'll, I'd just go straight into them. And then after that, um, if I have a performance, I'd get ready for it. If I don't have a performance and I'm tired, I'd take a nap for a half an hour, um, listen to some rhythms or not, um, just write a song or not. Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks different when you're traveling, though. It looks different when you have a lot to do in the week, you know? Sometimes I don't get to exercise, so but I do definitely try to keep having a smoothie and going into going in, going into the word as like a standard, you know. And obviously, like washing my face, brushing my teeth, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this next one is is kind of a question uh, for when you're in the studio or when you're producing or writing an album. Right. So, do you struggle with perfectionism? And if so, what are your tools or what strategies do you use to combat that and and what i mean I, is like uh mm-hmm. if, you, if you lay down a vocal line and it's not absolutely perfect do you go back and then how many times do you go back you know like because you could re-record it infinite number of times but eventually you yeah. want to push publish uh, yeah i mean once it is i feel that the feeling was expressed properly enough like the performance was good I I'm usually okay with it yes I am keen on getting the notes done well um but I typically don't have a huge problem with getting notes to sound on key you know yeah so and then usually too before I even hit the studio I'm I'm practicing the song so whatever song I write I would have known it before I go into the booth. So once I get into the booth, the ob- the object the objective is just to get the performance, like the expressing of the feeling of the song correct, you know? Um, so I'm not necessarily obsessed with it being perfect. I think more, I think I'm more um, try to get the song sounding on key, like all of the, what name? Yeah, I think I just prepare, you know? It's not necessarily like, I need to get it perfect. I don't give, put myself under that kind of pressure because that's not it's not useful. It's more so that I prepare to record the song. And then once I'm in the booth, I just, the, the, yeah, I just focus on getting it to feel right, like getting people to feel it, you know? Yeah, I think that's a great strategy, just preparing so that that way when you're in the booth, you know you've yeah. done everything up until that point to right. to get it out best as possible. So I'd like to dive r- quickly into a couple of your songs, and then we'll close up. Um, okay. Now, hopefully I'm saying this right, but you, correct me. Um, yeah. Your song Raleigh, is that, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's Raleigh. Raleigh. It's, it can be pronounced that way, but it's really Raleigh. Raw. Um, okay, thank you. Yeah, it was the name of a friend of mine, um, and that's how that's how his parents spelled it. You know, which yeah, it technically isn't correct, but you know, it is what, what it is. Sometimes, it, yeah. It, it sounds to me like a story from your childhood. I, it is, and it's just such a beautiful song too. If thank you, tell me about it a little bit. Uh, just what inspired you to write it. All right. Well, I mean, I didn't actually, I think subconsciously I was thinking about him 
because we were in studio um, and we had guitar. We had Monty was there playing guitar. Monty's um, one of Jamaica's most, like, he's incredible, right? And he plays with Protégé. So he he's Protégé's guitarist, but also just outside of that, just s- stunning on the guitar. Um, yeah, but so just, he was just playing some things. I I was, I think I was humming, and then he started, like, playing a few chords that, you know, were in key with my humming. And I kind of just started singing... Um, you were saving me memories or something like that, and then oh, you want to something I don't know, but I was kind of just singing a few lines, and then I like my brain caught up. I don't know how it happened, but like my brain and heart and all the things they kind of just caught up with each other, and it was just like, oh yeah, you're singing about Raw. That's what's happening because I had avoided processing anything regarding him just because of how he died and it was super violent and, like, I didn't go to the funeral. Me and my brother were, were close and I didn't go to the funeral to support my brother and I didn't actually go back home for a while just because I just didn't want to face it. I hate funerals. I don't like... I'm not a fan of people dying. It's it's really... It's a lot, you know? Um, so I think up until that point, I didn't really think about it. It was kind of like oh, he died, I'm not going to face it, you know, until I was in the studio. And then um, it, the words I was singing, it was like, only want to remember us playing, like, flying kites in the breeze. And I was like, that's that's about Raul. And then I kind of just realized it and um, went along with it. And I ended up writing the song pretty quickly because I guess it was something I needed to get out, like, express. And... Yeah, that's how it happened. It's 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 real. All of the references in the songs are things that we used to do, and it was res- it was just me kind of just processing losing him and um yeah, never seeing him again. was a necessary thing for me to do so just kind of just get you know kind of just face those feelings that I avoided facing for a time so yeah well I appreciate you sharing that story and and yeah. I, I didn't know the backstory um but as you said earlier music is is therapeutic for you and I it is it but it's also therapeutic for the listener so there, yeah. there's a balance, um, and obviously you're expressing something that is unique to you, but right. the the listener or receiver of the music is interpreting it in their own way. Yeah. And a different song right. of yours, Easy to Breathe, 
is yeah <laughs> is is another one that really calls to me and i'm just also curious kind of uh the backstory behind that one right so easy to breathe um i was in a very toxic relationship right and i didn't feel for most of my life by the way not right now because i have like a healthy group of friends and like you know, extended family and like spiritual fathers and mothers and so on to kind of help me deal. But I have always kind of felt like an outsider, you know? And then at the time, just being in this relationship and not feeling like I was being heard or understood or like the effort was being made. And then on top of that, me trying to figure out what my sound was going to be like, and just like a ton of just different things, you know, stressful life things happening. I, uh, yeah, I, I wrote Easy to Breathe, and it was just me talking about going through depression, really. Um, def, you know, and, and kind of just, fig, like, seeing what that, feeling what that was for me and, and kind of dealing with it. Yeah, so the world gets so loud and the sky looks bleak. It's kind of like you are your it's like there's a filter on everything you know it's as if all right so just imagine then interacting with somebody but there is like a sheet between you and the person and it's and it's it's see-through enough where you can see them but you don't fully connect like there's no actual skin to skin contact because like that then sheet is there. You feel me? Yes. But you can see them though, and you like you can probably interpret some of the feelings that they're feeling, and you can kind of relate, but not really. Like you're not able to really connect. That's what easy to breathe is trying to describe. Like, you know, I feel so low when I cannot remember my dreams. I was having difficulties. Like, um, I was having difficulty remembering why we started music you know um which i think is a good place to be when you're questioning your purpose it's a good place to be because it's either that you need to shift direction or maybe you were misguided this whole time and this isn't what you're supposed to be doing so even though it was painful and difficult i think it was necessary because it made it it cemented it even more for me you know it was it became like a test but anyway um you don't hear what I say when I say these things. So the idea that nobody's really hearing me what I say, I just kind of, and then just being young and kind of just sharing your feelings, everybody just thinks you're complaining because life isn't that hard for you. It cannot be that hard for you. Like you have so many opportunities, like you have so much at your disposal. And and just them giving advice, but it not really being advice. It's just like kind of half-hearted. They're listening to just respond um, you don't hear what I say when I tell you these things. All your advice doesn't help to give me don't give me no peace. Don't say carry on because they just be like, no, I just keep going. You know, don't say carry on that it's not that bad. Um, and then I go into I wish it was easy to breathe because I just felt like I was having difficulty breathing, like actually living and feeling and connecting. Every day's the same. 
that's all I hope for, you know, just for just creating honest music um, that helps people, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal. Um, yeah. Sometimes still after that. And like a huge part of me being the person who was just being in that relationship. So, I mean, an even greater relief happened when I, you know, when that relationship ended, thank God. Um, and then that's when I really started making my way back to myself after that relationship ended. And, you know, shortly after that, I got like a real connection with God because I wasn't really super into that whole, I wasn't really super into, you know, this belief of like a father in the sky kind of deal, but it became real to me, just, you know, personal experience. Um, and yeah, so it was a whole journey after that. So no, it wasn't, oh, I wrote the song and I, I'm now healed. I definitely hope that that can happen for some people, but that wasn't, that wasn't what happened for me. But it did help. It was just like, you know, I wrote the song and I wrote my feelings out and I'm facing it, you know? So it did help. It did help with the processing. One of your most recent tracks, Justice. Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, before, before, it was like a year before I got saved that I was trying to write a song about the earth and or relationship with the earth, that kind of like thoughtlessness about, you know, or that delusion then that what we do doesn't have an impact on earth and won't have an impact on us, like the people, like it won't affect our quality of lives. So I'd been trying to write it for a little bit and then, you know, I got saved and then I took like, but in this music journey, by the way, I took many breaks. Like I took, I've had to take several months off to just like be okay while I've been on this musical journey. So I'd, I would just disappear for, not disappear in terms of like nobody could find me, but I just wouldn't be on social media. I just wouldn't be doing, trying to do music, you know? Um, but anyway, so I got saved and then I had to handle that and I had kind of had to figure out what that meant and what that looked like and what it looked like and what a relationship with God would, would look like. Um, and then I remember I started writing again later that year, I think. October, I don't remember when I started writing back, but it had been several months since I had written anything. And, you know, that song about Earth came back up again, you know? it Like, it became urgent for me to write it. So I was just like, all right, let me write the song. Putting up borders, splitting the Earth into worlds. So if I belong to the third world, it means that the first bears more fruit. So selfish with what we have. And not really mindful of who will suffer, and so we continue to tear down a brood, never ever thinking long term, always thinking of what we can earn now. If you're asking what your life is worth, what will the answer? I think I got through it pretty quickly because I 
you know, just me stepping away from it or just stepping away from music for a little bit, it allowed me to have a have an even clearer perspective. So I went back into writing that song. And, um, yeah, me referencing the whole it will rain down fire and stone, like, you know, that's that's about, like, that's a reference to Revelations, even though I haven't read Revelations. So it was really just me kind of just being aware that that's a thing that the Bible talks about and kind of just putting that in there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I That song was really, it's really to talk about or segregation as a people, just even as countries, you know, the U.S. being like a first world, Jamaica being a third world, and that just, in my opinion, this is my theory, being just on the face of it, it lets you know that you're not as good as, you feel me? Like, it would yeah. let, it would cause a Jamaican citizen to be like, I, not, I'm not as good as an American because they have all these things. They are more fruitful, which is why I reference, you know, feel, um, you feel like the first bear bears more fruit, um, which I think is, it's not honest, you know? Um, because there's this idea that you guys are grander and bigger. And yes, you, ha- you, you know, you, you're definitely one of the powerhouses, like America is one of the powerhouses of the world. And I definitely get that. And anything that you do affects everybody else, but for it to be, for it's for us to have the impression that we're not as good as, I don't think that that's, I don't think it's, it's, it's good, you know, just for a people, um, so that, that that whole idea of us segregating, that whole idea of us being selfish and kind of just looking to make money. And this is everybody around the world, every country around the world, like just kind of focus on making money, not thinking about how it will impact the environment or people who don't have as many, you know, do, don't have access to as much as we have access to. You feel me? Because I understand that I am of privilege as well, by, by now, even though I didn't grow up like that. But anyway, um, so it's kind of just talking about how we are selfish on a co- cultural level, country level, uh, and then on a personal level, um, and then on in our relationship with Earth. You know, it's kind of like, I'll take all that I can get, but I'm not going to think about how Earth is going to respond. And I guess I'm talking about Earth as like a person, but I don't mean to. I just mean... Will there will be consequences to you throwing, you know, garbage in the gully? It's going to be blocked up. Places are going to be flooded. You know, that's it's kind of just a response. It's going to go into the sea. It's going to affect um, marine wildlife. It's going to maybe the, kill off some of the fish. We won't have as much fish. Polluting our waters and putting the poison in food. Everything made to sell so we don't hear the truth Never ever thinking long term Always thinking of what we can earn now If I ask you what your life is worth What will you answer as you litter the ground? The earth will serve us justice We'll outlive you and me With every storm you know there's justice Or overfishing, we, you know, the fishes are smaller You have to wait longer to get a certain type of fish People don't really think about that kind of thing um, people don't really think about like fracking as a thing and how it destabilizes plates and like earthquakes that happen because of it. People don't, we're not thinking, we're just thinking we're more focused on, you know what? I ate this thing. I'm satisfied. No, I can just throw it anywhere. Cause like, I'm not thinking about anything 
outside of myself and I'm not even thinking about myself because if I were aware um, to recognize how my actions was, was impacting, will impact me, not very long from now, I would be acting differently, you know? So it's, it's really just about our mindlessness as a people, just globally. And what will happen if we continue to be this way? So, justice. Circle, circle, justice. Don't have to choose to believe. We all think that we're so mighty. Well, if we cannot see, we message that the world definitely needs to hear and people should be thinking more globally and long term and I think it's a a problem with society that is not specific to one culture although America surely has its fair share of short-term thinking and and destruction of the environment but people really should be thinking larger and I'm grateful that you created a song and an expression of of this concept and and wanting to kind of change people's behavior or at least thinking and actions so yeah that's that's great and i appreciate you sharing and and telling me about that song yeah no problem at all i i mean if one person can become more thoughtful that's 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 the goal you know i'm not i'm not necessarily looking to start a revolution it'd be nice but um, if one person can just think, you know what, I, I'm not doing the best and I probably need to make more of an effort, then that's cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, every, every, uh, action has its impact. So good actions yeah. have their impact too. So yeah. speaking of people making impacts on the world, I'm curious as, as a young artist yourself, what advice would you give to somebody starting out in the music industry today? Or maybe what advice would you give your younger self, as if that's possible, um, you know, at age like 16? Yeah, like what what lessons have you learned that you think might ease somebody else's uh, process through the music industry? Progress. Um, Okay, well, practically, I definitely would have started networking way earlier than I did, you know? Um, so don't necessarily wait on somebody to make the introductions for you. You can try to, you like, you can start to make your own introductions. Um, definitely take advantage of the platforms that we have. Those short 15-second videos on Instagram or just a short 15-second video on Twitter um, can go a long way. Um, you definitely always want to do, like, however you're hearing the music in your head, be like stay true to that like yes it can be a collaboration between you and the producer but if you are so sure that a certain chord needs to you know it needs to be like it it needs to feel more sad then then definitely push for it to be more sad you know because you're hearing the music the way that you're hearing it for a reason um and you have to you have to respect that so yeah, I guess those three things. Um, um, be honest with yourself. Um, even though advice might sound good, it might not be the advice for you. Um, and also be open to listening to people as well. Definitely take counsel. Like you, you have to, but let it be from people who you trust because some people are 
you know, don't have your best interest at heart. And if you do find a team, make sure that you have absolutely zero doubts about the team that you first connect with because it, you know, you don't have to be the most talented, but once your team believes in you, that's going to look completely different as to how, like, they push for you to be for your opportunities and, and so on. You know, so that's, so those things. So, okay, I've got two last questions for you. And okay. the first one is where can our listeners reach out and find you on social media or on the web? You can find me on Instagram. I'm, you know, active enough on there. But if you really want to talk to me, you can you can just message me on, not message me, but like just at me on Twitter. And it's call me Savano. So that's call me S-E-V-A-N-A. Um, I'm pretty responsive on Twitter. So if you really want to talk, like ask questions, I'll, I'll be there to, to answer it. And if you want to see my pictures and like image and so on, you can go to Instagram or my website. Like once you type in Savannah, usually, you know, there'll be some kind of a me popping up. You know? <laughs> nice. And your website, is that Savannah Siren? Siren. Cool. Well, the last question is basically for you. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with me or a listener out there or the um, world? <laughs> Just do your best, you know, do your best every day to be good. <laughs> that is so corny. But yes, I think I think we do need to be more mindful of being good and doing our best. And, and that looks different every day. I'm not saying that you need to be, you know, breaking down boundaries every single day. But, you know, um, just, just do your best to be good. Savannah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really do appreciate your time especially and music and art and willingness to be open and share your voice and your story with me and the listeners it's it's really amazing and i appreciate you taking the time oh thank you so much yeah man that's why we're here you know we're here for each other so might as well you know I'm just saying, now you're not gone. We're playing, running around, bare feet, and your hands are still waiting. Yeah, but now you've waved goodbye to me. Late night, skating down the slope, telling her to go. listening to the Frio Music Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, consider donating to our patron program. You can learn more about our patron program at friomusic.com forward slash support. Even $1 a month can help us pay the bills and create more quality content for you. If you enjoyed what you heard or gained any tiny nuggets of wisdom from the show, please leave a comment and rating on your preferred podcast platform.
please take a minute to rate the podcast now. Your ratings really do make a huge impact on search results and can help other people find the show and the music that we feature. If you really love the podcast and don't want to miss an episode, you can subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released by visiting freomusic.com forward slash P. Or if you really want to type it all out, freomusic.com forward slash podcast. That's F-R-E-I-O-M-U-S-I-C dot com forward slash P. If you know somebody who might enjoy the content of this podcast, please share it with them. Your contributions and support make this podcast possible. Until next time, stay tuned.